Open your Bibles with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. We have just come through man camp, and I didn't get to speak to you men nearly enough. So this morning, I'm going to preach on faithful men. Faithful men. Didn't Brother Shepard do an amazing job? Man, his session on the Second Amendment was one of the best things I've ever heard on that subject. And we're going to get all of that material put together and hand it out to you. And then his challenge to the boys on Friday night about how the Bible is your compass. Your Bible is, the Bible is your compass through life. And then training us on those things. Then yesterday, when he was talking about Balak and Balaam and what it means to be a godly man and how Satan wants to do everything he can to move you away from those things. It was, it was just a fantastic time. And I really want to thank all of the people that participated in that. The Callaways for hosting us at their amazing piece of beautiful property there. And then the people that worked so hard, Doug Schmidtmeyer made sure that all the materials were out there. And actually, I think it was Isaiah Schmidtmeyer that did most of the work, but, and, and Caleb, but it was uh, Doug that, that put it together. Chad Hollinger and Dave Spicer really overseeing so much of it. And then the guys that did the sessions, just fantastic. Matt Holesclaw helping to get everything out to the camp and people that worked hard. Um, but then the sessions were fantastic. Chad showed us how to burn things down and all of that kind of stuff. And then Jeff Blackford and Matt Hickman. The archery, wasn't the archery a blast? Learned to do that stuff. So that was so much fun. And then I had a blast with the Spicers with the hand-to-hand stuff. And I don't know if anybody videoed it or whatever, but I got into it with Caleb learning some stuff. He threw me. I, I, I'm doing this somersault, and next thing I know, I'm on my back and thinking, how did this happen? <laughs> and so they're trying to kill the preacher. But, man, we just, we just had such a great time. Where's Josh at? I, I loved it. See, Josh has been around Caleb for all these years now, and there were several times where Caleb said, let's, let's show this, and Josh said, no, I'm good. <laughs> no, <laughs> I've been there. Not going to do that. But it was, thank you, men, so much for it. And it was just great to see all those young men out there. We had some testimonies yesterday and hearing what God has done in the lives of, of men through the gospel of Jesus Christ. It, it was just great to hear that. Then the last thing I'm going to say about it, these, these uh, epic, these single guys that are all out there for man camp, I said it there, they don't have to be there. They choose to participate in these things. So praise God for that. I appreciate you guys very much. All right, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to talk about faithfulness. Faithfulness. And of course, we know that faithfulness is a characteristic of God. Would you all agree with that? That God is faithful. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Look at verse 9. God is faithful. Isn't that a good statement? Justin likes it. Isn't that a good statement? God is faithful. And we're going to talk about why that's so important. But look at what he is faithful to do here. God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, the faithfulness of God is what saves us. 
It's what saves us. It's an amazing thing. Look at the book of Colossians. I'm sorry, Galatians. Galatians chapter 2. Look at verse 20. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. The Bible says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Is that what it says? What's it say? The faith of the Son of God. We're saved by faith. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But my salvation is not based on my faith. My salvation is based on the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Because when he promises me eternal life, that promise is only as good as his word. My eternal life is based on the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of his word. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. God is faithful. We need to understand this word faithful a little bit better. Listen to what Noah Webster's dictionary says about faithful. It says it's a firm adherence to the truth. And to the duties of religion. That's the first definition of faithful. Okay? So how many men, if you're a man, would you raise your hand? If you're not sure how you have identified yet, then just hold it up anyway. All right. So if we're going to talk about men, and we're going to talk about men being faithful, the first definition of faithfulness is a firm adherence to the truth and to the duties of religion. Now, we don't have a man-made religion. We believe in the faith of the Son of God as revealed in the Scriptures. Amen? And so if we are going to be faithful men, that is faithful, not first to our wives, not first to our country, but first to our Lord. And if we are faithful to the Lord and to what he has called us to do, we'll be better husbands, we'll be better citizens, we'll be better employees. That is, it begins, our faithfulness, it begins with our faithfulness to the Lord. And here's the good news. Young men, here's what I love. You can look around this room and there are example after example, there is an example, 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 example of faithful men. Many of you, your dads, that's as far as you have to look. You don't have to look to your pastor. You don't have to look to your Sunday school teacher. You can look to your father. Praise God for that. I'm thankful I had a faithful dad. He was my hero. Was he perfect? No. But he was faithful. I never saw my dad do something that would cause me to be ashamed of his name in the Lord. Praise the Lord for that. Faithfulness. So that's the first, and it's interesting. Here's what, here's what Webster said. He quotes, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He quotes that from Revelation chapter 2. Here's, an, here's the next portion of the definition. Firmly adhering to duty, of true fidelity, loyal, 
true to allegiance as a faithful subject, constant in performance of duties or services, exact in attending to commands as a faithful servant. So that's faithful. We know what that means to be faithful. What does it mean to do something faithfully? And of course, God does all of this with strict adherence to allegiance and duty, with strict adherence to allegiance and duty. But it's interesting. What is faithlessness? Here's the definition of faithlessness. Without belief in the revealed truths of religion. Unbelieving. Isn't that interesting? Faithless means without belief in the revealed truths of religion. Unbelieving. And then he gives what Jesus said, O faithless generation. Not believing, not giving credit to, not adhering to allegiance or duty, disloyal, perfidious, treacherous, as a faithless subject, not true to a master or employer, neglectful as a faithless servant, not true to the covenant of marriage, false as a faithless husband or wife, not observant of promises, deceptive. Wow. Which of those would you rather be called? Faithful or faithless? How many of you are thankful that our God is faithful? He is faithful. Praise the Lord for that. And that faith is the foundation. God's faithfulness is the foundation of everything. Here's what's wonderful. How many of you, and you don't have to raise your hand on this. How many of you have ever done something since you were born again, since you placed your faith and trust in the Lord, that you regret? Aren't you glad that God's faithfulness to you is not based on what you do? There is nothing, I know this is trite, but it's true. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you can do to make God love you less. His love is faithful. It's faithful. I'm sure there are people here that you live under the burden of past sin. You live under the weight of the mistakes that you've made in your past that have hurt you, they've hurt your loved ones, they've hurt your family, they've hurt your relationships all around you, and you look back on that and you just have all of this regret, do you know that God, God knew every bit of that when he saved you? And if you're here this morning and you hear these words like saved, when we talk about being born again, let me just tell you what that means. It's very simple. It's very simple. All of us are sinners. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. We all deserve to go to hell. And what is hell? It's a place of eternal torment. And people go there. Listen, people go there because they choose to. You see, eternal life, heaven and eternal life are a choice. Hell and eternal condemnation are a choice. You see, because we're sinners, the Bible says this in Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth, that's an old word for proved or showed, God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us while we were sinners. And he said, look, you deserve to go to hell because you're a sinner. I, I, Jim Alter, I deserve to go to hell because I'm a sinner. And Jesus said, I'll take your punishment. I'll take your sin. 
I'll pay your debt. All you have to do is say, Lord Jesus, please pay my debt. I believe that you are God, that you're born of a virgin, that you lived a sinless life. You never sinned. And that you died on the cross to pay for my sin. And then you were buried three days and three nights, and then you rose from the dead, proving that you are, were, and always will be God. See, there are a lot of people who believe in the virgin birth. They believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They just don't believe that's enough to take them to heaven. They think that they also have to add good works. They have to add church membership. They have to add baptism. They have to add communion. People believe they have to add things to the gospel. When the Bible says that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he said, but I fear that that Satan through his subtlety would beguile you. About what? About the simplicity of Christ. The simplicity of the gospel. The simplicity of the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's an exchange. It's where I give God my sin And he gives me Christ's righteousness. It's an exchange that takes place at a point in time. Repentance toward God, faith toward Jesus Christ. I change my mind about what I've believed about God. And I believe through faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you've never done that, I know that here's what's happening. As I tell you this, that the Holy Spirit is knocking on your heart's door. Saying, you need to be born again. You need to be born again. Don't leave here lost today. But those of us who have received Christ, those of us who know that Jesus Christ is our Savior, we've asked him to save us. We, We often, I know, because we live in this flesh... We do things that violate our conscience, that violate our profession, that violate what we know to be true. We all do those things. Here's the good news. None of that changes who God is and what he has promised. Isn't that wonderful? I'm so thankful that my salvation is not based on me. It's based on the eternal promises of God. God is faithful. But not only is God faithful, but God's, God's servants are required to be faithful. Look at 1 Corinthians 4. First Corinthians 4. Look at verse 1. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. A mystery is something that you can't know unless God tells you. Verse 2, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. How many of you have a bank? Would you raise your hand? How many of you have a bank? Right? So like six. <laughs> We're in trouble. How many of you have a bank? All right. How many of you expect when you put your money in that bank for it to be there the next time you go to the bank? Right. You do not expect your banker to spend your money. Now, you know that they're going to take that capital and they're going to get interest on it. And that's how they loan money to other people. We understand how all of that process works. 
But you do expect that when you go back to the bank and you want that money, that it's there. Why? Because they are stewards of your money. So what's required in a steward? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Can you trust that banker with your money? Now, how many of you know people that you would not trust with your money? Right? We call them Congress. It's right. We all have people that we simply we just would not trust. Why? Because they're not faithful. They're faithless. They're faithless. When the deacons are up counting the money. All right. We put a camera on them because Patrick Kennedy is not trustworthy. No, we would not. We would not have men handling the money of the church that we didn't trust. Right Now, there's accountability, of course. There's always two of them counting together, all of that type of stuff. There's accountability. And yet, there would not be someone in that position that was unfaithful. Amen? Are you with me on that? We wouldn't have someone in that position that is unfaithful. Here's what God requires in his stewards. The Bible says that we are all ministers of this new covenant or of this, this New Testament not a new covenant, that's a different word, of the New Testament. We are ministers of that New Testament. All of us are. And God requires ministers to be faithful. He requires those stewards to be faithful. So here's the question. God has given you his word. Look at, look at 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. Can I tell you something that's kind of sad? The way that we dumb down Christianity. And I don't know about you guys, but this happens to me. When I think of the word faithful for a Christian, the first thing that pops into my mind is that they come to church. How many of you kind of feel the same way? This is a faithful church member. When we say faithful church member, what we mean is that they're just there. That they're just there. Isn't that kind of a low bar? You know, it'd be, so I'm married. This, this is real. I actually, I actually am. And so I'm married and here's my, here is what it means to be a faithful husband. I'm there. How many of you ladies want your husband to do more than just be there? Now that's a good start, but I think the expectation is a little higher than just attendance than just being there. Are, are you with me? Now, some of you ladies are saying, I wish he'd go away for a while. I understand. But there's so much more to faithfulness than just attendance. Now, we as preachers, man, I got to tell you, we get frustrated when guys who are supposed to be faithful aren't there. Is that fair? You have, you have an expectation that a faithful guy is going to be there. The Bible says confidence in an unfaithful man in a time of trouble is like a, a broken tooth or a foot out of joint. Have you ever bitten down on something with a broken tooth? That just makes you want to say hallelujah, doesn't it? Right? You, you, you have your ankle out of joint. You dislocate your, your foot or whatever. Any of us who have played basketball have stepped on the side of somebody else's foot. Then you go and try to step down on that. And it is not a blessing from God. I can tell you that. It is a bummer. So when, as a pastor, 
or as any one of our leaders, maybe Justin with the children's ministry or Ty with the youth ministry or, or Wade and Nathaniel with the epic, whatever our ministries are, junior church or whatever, you're expecting someone to be there. If they don't show up, that's a big bummer. That is a big problem. You all agree with me on that? You're with me? But again, isn't that a low bar? So now look at 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. What are those things? If we go up to chapter 1 and verse 13, the Bible says, Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. So here, what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to hold fast the words of God. And then back in chapter 2 and verse 2, And the things that thou hast heard of me, that's the words of God, the same commit thou to who? Everyone, what does it say? Commit thou to who? Who shall be able to teach others also. So notice, faithfulness is so much more than showing up. Faithfulness is giving the words of God to another faithful man. And then what are you supposed to do with that? Give it to another faithful man. Um, it's terrible. That is God's plan. Now, how many of you know, seriously, how many of you know that that's God's plan? Are you doing it? Are you doing it? So we're going to have a discipler meeting. Now, here's who the disciplers are. We have a ministry at Grace Baptist Church, and we call it biblical discipleship. And that's where if you're a married couple, you sign up, and we put you with another married couple, and those people have been trained to teach you the Word of God. The man teaches the man, the lady teaches the lady, and after you know a year, maybe two years, if I'm discipling you, seven or eight, but if after a certain period of time, you finish going through discipleship, there are some goals that we want to accomplish in your life, and then all of those people who have been discipled, then they come to me, and then in a separate training, I teach them how to disciple someone else. Why do we do that? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Look at verse 10. We started in verse 9. God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. That fellowship with him comes through salvation. Look at verse 10. Now I beseech you, I beg you, I beseech you, brethren. So this is for saved people. By the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, look at this, that ye all speak whatever you want to. What does it say? What are those next three words? The same thing. If we're going to speak the same thing, that means we have to have a standard. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men. For us, it's this Bible. It's the Bible that we hold in our hands. We don't correct this. We believe it. We teach it. We're faithful to it. God was faithful to give it to us. God was faithful to preserve it. It's our job to be faithful to read it, to live it, to believe it, and to teach it to someone else. But look, again, verse 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, 
and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. So we have discipleship. I guess we have, what, 60, 70 people, I don't know, in one-on-one discipleship. So that those who have been trained by me will all get together at 4 o'clock. We'll be held accountable. We'll find out what's going on in the discipleship relationships. I'll teach you something about discipleship and communicating to your, to your disciple. We do that. But I expect you disciplers to be there. How many of you think that the foundational truth of stewardship is attendance? How many of you think that that's where we start? Okay, so I expect you to be there. But man, I want you to do so much more than show up. I want you to be actively involved in your disciples' life by communicating God's word to them. We talk about it this way. So uh, Matt, come on up here with me. Matt looks good today, so I'm going to bring him up here with me. How, How many of you really think Matt looks good today? We told Matt we were going to bust his chops today, and what did you tell me you were going to tell everybody? Huh? What did you tell me you were going to tell everybody? <laughs> he said something like, I can rock this. I think that's what he said. It was something like that. So when I, when I disciple Matt, so let's say that he and Amanda are having marriage trouble, and she's being mean to him, Okay. And he's telling me about it. Now, seriously, how many of you know that that kind of conversation comes up in discipleship? Right? Imagine that, a Shelby County lady being mean. Imagine that. (laughs) Hey, guys, look at your wife and see if it's okay to say amen about that. Okay, no. (laughs) She's from Florida. Hallelujah. See, that's why she's nice. That's why I can use this as an illustration. So let's say that Amanda is giving Matt a hard time. Here's what I want to do. Well, I'll tell you what I'd tell her. And here's why. Through discipleship, Matt and I become friends. So it's more than a teacher-student relationship. It's a friend talking to a friend. That's what discipleship is. And when my friend is in a battle, I want to fight with him. Are you all with me on this? That's what a faithful friend would do, right? He doesn't need to know what I would say. He needs to know what God says about that. So in that situation, if I am a faithful steward, I set aside my flesh. I set aside my desires. I set aside my personality. I swallow that. I die to that. And I say, Matt, I understand how hard this is. But let me tell you what the Bible says. Thank you. Do you see the difference? See, that's the difference between a faithful steward and a faithless steward. Remember, we have this idea of faithfulness as just showing up. Praise God when people show up. And we have folks here, if all you ever do is show up, I'm glad you're here. It's better that you're here than you're not here. Amen? But don't you think God might want something more than that from us? The faithfulness for us men goes beyond just showing up. It is communicating God's word to people. And we have to be trained to do that. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Folks, the only way that we can be faithful is because we have a faithful God. God requires us to be faithful. And we demonstrate that faithfulness Not only by attendance, but by doing the things that God has asked us to do.
Amen? Man, I'm so thankful that God has brought that kind of man to Grace Baptist Church. There are so many of you that we can point to and say, that man is a godly man. You can trust him. You can trust him. One of my favorite things to tell, so we've got these guys in college or out working on jobs. We've got these kids in high school that are here. And we have this idea that the intelligentsia, the scholars, don't believe in God. The scholars don't believe in creation. The scholars don't believe in the word of God. And it's so fun to look around here at Grace Baptist Church at all of these educated people, these intelligent men that serve God and believe every word of this book. Amen? Doesn't matter whether you're a factory worker. Doesn't matter whether you've graduated from high school. Doesn't matter if you've got a doctor's degree. The idea is to submit to God's word. And if you submit to God's word, you are wise. And we can point these young men to you. And they look to you. And they watch you. I'm so thankful that God has brought faithful men to Grace Baptist Church. But here's my challenge to you men today. Has your concept of faithfulness been attendance? I believe God wants more for us than just showing up. I have a pastor friend, and uh, he's quite a bit older than me. I know you guys are thinking, man, he must be dead. Years ago, I asked him this question. What's the one piece of advice that you could give me? And this is the first thing he said. You know, of course, this is past what you believe and all of those things. This is just practical. He said, just be there. Just be there. So that's good, right? As a pastor, it's good to be in, involved in your people's lives. But how many of you hope that when you come to Grace Baptist Church that I do more than just show up? You know, you come to church, and here's what I do. How many of you have a higher expectation than that? Right? Now, how many of you kind of wish that I would actually do that right now and stop? Simple question. How many of you already knew pretty much everything I've said today? Would you raise your hands? How many of you already know that? All right. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Guys, isn't it good just to be reminded of what faithfulness is? That it is more than just showing up. Some of you guys, there's a card in the chair in front of you, and it's, it's a discipleship card. And that's where you sign up for our discipleship ministry. And you say, you know what? It's time where I get trained to teach the Bible to somebody else. It's time for me to do that. That's what it means to be a faithful man. Some of you men, you need to lead your families. You need to say, We're gonna, we are going to be there. If the beginning of faithfulness is just attendance, if that's the beginning, how about we start there? Wouldn't that be a good thing, guys? Like three guys. Wouldn't that be a good thing? Let's lead our families, but then we need to lead our families to more than that. You parents, you need to lead your young people to make sure they're at youth group. You need to lead your family to be involved in ministries. You need to lead your family to be in God's word. One of the things that I try to ask my kids pretty regularly, I try not to harp on it, but since they're both out of the house, I try to ask them this. Are you in God's word? You're reading the Bible. How's your walk with the Lord? You can't do that every conversation. But, but that, that's more than just showing up. I don't want to just be with my kids. I want to be a holy influence in their lives for the rest of their lives. Are you all with me on that? So this idea of faithful men, it's more than just showing up, but that's a starting place. Then it is leading them 
in spiritual things, pointing them to the faithfulness of God, and then modeling that faithfulness in the home. And then in ministry, it's communicating God's word to other people. So let me ask you guys this question. Remember what our goal is. Our goal is to invite at least one person to church every week and pray that God will give you the opportunity to give the gospel to at least one person every week. Don't raise your hands on this. How many of you have been praying about that and finding a way to communicate God's word to someone? Man, I'm thankful. I know that a bunch of our single guys in college, they're, they're talking to people around them all the time. Some of you young ladies, I know that you're doing the same thing. I know that you guys in, in high school, I know that you guys are representing the Lord and talking about the Lord at school and living those things out. Keep doing that. But all of us, when is the last time you spoke God's word to someone? How many of you think that's more than showing up? Yeah, faithful faithful men. All that is required in stewards is that they be found faithful. Amen? Amen. Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness to us. Thank you for giving us your word. Lord, we don't deserve any of it, but you are faithful.